Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today I am so pleased and happy to bring one of my good friends, a longtime veteran of the game itself, uh, the one and only Thomas Bell. Now, Tom Bell has been around for freaking ages. This guy is a staple and his ability to write copy is insane. Um, I'm actually quite pleased because we're recording this now and by the time this comes out, it'll be about 90 days from today, but later today, if you guys go check back on April 30th, 2019, uh, look through my Facebook live feed, uh, you will actually see a video that I did where a li- with the live with Tom uh, where we break down some cool stuff. So Tom, thank you for being here and actually making the time to do this today. My pleasure. How's things with you? Uh, things are really good, but I just had to snatch the bell off uh, my cat's like collar right now. I was like, "Damn, she's gonna be running around." Um, things are really, really good. How about how's uh, the Philippines? You're out there right now, right? You know, the Philippines is is wonderful. I uh, I came out here uh, almost four years ago, intending to have a six month party and uh, go home, but it's become you know pretty much uh, my home. That's incredible. Like, so just before we get started, because I do want to go down that path, I want to just quickly ask, uh, I just want to quickly run through the sponsor call. So this episode is sponsored by AdelaMarcy.com. If you guys go there, you can check out previous shows that we've actually put online uh, and go listen to them. There's a lot of great shows and a lot of great content. This episode is a special one because we're not actually sponsored by a URL. This episode is brought to you as well by Thomas Bell, and you guys can actually find him on uh, Facebook um, and basically just follow him. The guy's an absolute fucking genius when it comes down to like writing advertising and how it basically all works. Um, or you can hit it up, uh, hit him up privately at Inspector Profit. That's I-N-S-P-E-C-T-O-R, Profit, as in P-R-O-F-I-T, at gmail.com, which I just love because it keeps making me think of Inspector Gadget, which <laughs> is why, like, just a remembrance thing. So I got to ask real quickly, what was the, why the Philippines? Because I know a lot of, I know a lot of copywriters, I know a lot of business people end up moving to the Philippines or just being out there. Like, what's so magical about it? Because I've never been. Well, it, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but but the answer to that is kind of a, a, a neat segue for marketing. I happen to be, uh, I'm 52 this year. So, you know, back then I I was 48 uh, and frankly, a fairly overweight, uh, you know, older, you know, middle-aged guy with uh, uh, not a lot of uh, skills when it comes to, you know, meeting women. And uh, I I had gone through a difficult divorce and being the, you know, the split tester and the scientist that I am, I mean, literally the, the, the honest answer is I looked up where on earth an overweight, middle-aged, uh, you know, guy could find, uh, you know, a shot at a great relationship with a gorgeous woman. It's, that's the answer. Um, and you know, over time, I've I've come to find out that the Philippines is uh, a very good place for expats. And I hate that word, by the way, expat. I've never felt more patriotic in my life than after I moved out of the U.S. But um, it's a lot like the U.S. Uh, there's a lot of English. Uh, the roads were all created by American engineers, so you know the roads are the same width. Uh, you know, it, it's it's it it reminds me a lot of Daytona Beach, uh, really? the Philippines. Yeah, which is where I'm where I basically spend most of my time in the states. That's pretty cool. 
That's pretty amazing. So, like, something I gotta ask from this perspective, because you did mention split testing in its own right, and you are a mad scientist, and I definitely do know that. What is it about split testing that just seems to... Like, do you do it with everything in your life, or do you just, like, keep it to certain areas? Because I know myself, I do this specifically with um, dishes I make. Like, whenever I'm cooking at home, I always try and see if I can just change one ingredient and see how if, if it'll get better or worse. Oh, God, that's why we get along. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, you know, before I was a marketer, uh, you know, before the Internet... Uh, going way back to the mid eighties, I was actually homeless, uh, on the streets of New York city for a time. And I didn't, you know, know what split testing was, but I was on the side of the, you know, road with my dog, you know, there on 33rd street in New York city. And yeah, I had a sign and, you know, each day I would make a new sign to see which, you know, which sign brought, brought in more donations. So, yeah, I was split testing back back in the 80s with a homeless sign. I, I split test everything, and I like to advise people, split testing isn't just copy uh, or even just images or videos online. It's, you know, split testing, you know, which, which uh, you know, path the garbage guy takes through the office. Or, you know, uh, we've split tested, uh, you know, entire phone rooms out in Utah for our coaching program. So anything that you spend money on, really, I think anything that a company spends money on uh, or could be improved by any description can and should be split tested. Agreed. And I would even say anything that the company spends time on, like a significant portion of time on. Like I've done it with, um, like this is probably a really weird split test in its own right, but it is one. Uh, in my current place I've moved to, I've, I've basically set my bedroom up uh, upstairs next to the balcony. Like, my mm-hmm. bedroom opens up to a balcony that opens up next to my neighbors, and we all get on. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I found out from them they actually made that balcony room their living rooms. So, oh. being like, I actually have, like, I'm downstairs right now because I haven't built my office yet. I'm still, like, figuring some shit out to actually get that. By the time the show comes out, we'll have, like, a full working podcast studio in there. Um but the room behind, like, my living room is a separate bedroom. And so it's quite a sizable bedroom. Um, the only difference is it's more like it's it's more of a rectangular room than the other one's more open plan, open spaced. But I realized, mm-hmm. okay, change my office from being downstairs to upstairs uh, and put a Wi-Fi extended, uh, extender in just to make sure that, like, you know, I get good Wi-Fi upstairs as well. And just to have that as my office and move my bedroom downstairs. I've been sleeping downstairs for the last two or three days, way more productive. Like whenever I'm upstairs because I have a beautiful view to look out to, I just realize that I like being up there more than I do like being down here when I'm working. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So little things like that with productivity and upstairs, I'm not tempted to go get a snack every five minutes because downstairs I have my TV, I have my kitchen, I have like everything I need to just basically kind of like i can walk out of here and be completely fine and you know i can take time away upstairs i don't have that issue hmm you know it's it's interesting a deal uh you know in a few months you should look back at, at your uh, uh creative output and make sure that you know when you can be distracted easily by looking out for example yes you get more work done i'm curious to see if that holds up against the caliber of your output yeah like, yeah just so something for- to look at down the road so, so far, it's been, like, leaning that way. Like, so far, I've been getting more work done. 
and like the level of work that I've been getting out has been quite fun because I've actually enjoyed it. Perfect. Um, that, that's usually how I can tell whether or not I'm doing good or not is if I can actually enjoy it. But I also know the same metric is, am I scared shitless when I hand something in? If the answer is yes, I've done a good job. If the answer is no, then I've basically flubbed it. God, oh, God, we could talk about that for an hour right there. <laughs> right, exactly the amount of times that we've both screwed up. By the way, just to give you guys a quick heads up, you could be one of the best copywriters in the world, and I guarantee you they've screwed up. David Ogilvy used to shit his pants before he used to actually hand anything in. Well, he was, ner- he was a nervous wreck, and I have that on good authority, by the way, that he did that. And when I say good authority, I mean the man that worked with him for 30 years. Sure, and, uh, you know, for the, for the creative people out there, here's something that can make you feel better, potentially. Uh, if you haven't read War of Art yet, every creative person on Earth should read that book five times. Agreed. Uh, Stephen Pressfield's an amazing genius to that. By the way, Tom, you sound a little bit distant right now. I don't know what's going on. Uh, oh, my, my microphone. It's, oh. it sound, sound better now? Sound perfect and crystal, my friend. So, perfect. right, the war of art, agree with that 100%. Yeah, and, and something that he says that, that, you know, can really help the mindset is a master. I mean, you know, I've been at this 21 years, and, and to work towards the, the literal term of mastery, I mean, it's not just a word. It's a, it's a, a, to me, it's a technical thing. Right. I mean, if you're going to call yourself a master, you better know what the definition of master is and then move towards that. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, according to Pressfield, you know, hating your work and never thinking it's good enough is pushing towards being a sign of mastery. Because if you're a poser and, you know, you know, in the way that, a, that a, you know, a 13, 14 year old kid thinks they know everything. A lot of people that are new with a fresh wind, you know, they've had a couple of wins, but they, but they don't have a ton of experience yet. They'll think that they're masters. Yep. But, you know, true mastery, you're always You always know that it could be better. So eight out of 10 of the, you know, uh, copy pieces that I write, you know, I just flat out hate, but, yeah. but they work. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of that whole thing. Um, again, very similar to you. I've been at this in October this year would be 18 years um, that I've been doing this and like 12 of them have been professional. I've been getting paid for them mainly because I wasn't old enough to get paid. I was 12. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm now I'm turning 30 this year. So I'm like, wow, my copy career is old enough to have a drink in Europe. Um, in certain places in the US as well. But what I was going to say uh, off that, it's this idea what I've realized is it annoys the shit out of me whenever I see poses going, yeah, I wrote a great copy piece. I'm amazing. And then you're like, okay, break down why it works. And they can't. Right. And yeah. it's, it's like you and I, I, like for instance, the thing that you said to me was absolutely brilliant, which I love you for, is I said, I'm going to be teaching how people flub the clothes. Except for I didn't put a close in my Facebook status. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm just putting this as a notification out there. I'll just get it done. Why? Because in my head, I, I know this for a fact and something I'm working towards is I still have that belief that what I say doesn't matter. What I say, even though I know what I'm doing, I don't feel like I'm, I'm good enough to get there to teach it. So I'm just going to put it out there. I only want like, the right people that know me to show up. So it's a fear of being seen and known. But based off of that, all you said to me was like, nope, you really need to put a close on this. Just getting that validation from you going, yeah, actually, Tom's completely right. I'll go back and redo this. 
done. Happy days, had a huge audience. It was awesome. Plus you gave me a shout out, which is brilliant. What I'm getting at is even though we actually know what we're talking about, that fear is actually what keeps us sharp more than anything else. Yeah, you- I agree. And, and, and by the way, Adil, it, it, you know, you got me to thinking because, uh, I mean, we were talking just prior to the call. Uh, uh, I mean, I write fairly high end copy for a living and, you know, I build multi-million dollar funnels for clients. Uh, I don't have a funnel myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're not alone, but, uh, yeah, he caught me in a in a in a neat mood that day, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you took something good from it. Oh, for sure, it's just constantly kind of moving forward with. It's that idea, like uh, what's the old saying? The shoe cobbler ha- the shoe cobbler's children have the worst shoes or have no shoes. I could so see that, and yeah. and I think that experts today. Uh, you know, a lot of times there's the risk, particularly with authentic experts, because maybe two out of 10 of experts out there online are, are actually authentic and they do it for the, you know, the, the, the actual service to their clients. Uh, you know, we're operating at a slightly different level. Like if I was going to teach somebody how to run a business, it would be, you know, how to not get the merchant accounts to close you down once you pass the 5 million mark, Right. That's not what a new guy is worried about, nor should he. Yeah. So we have to pay close attention. Uh, we can't really teach at at our level if we've been doing it for a long time. We have to, you know, we have to teach it to the new guy out there who's still afraid of quitting his job. It's it, they're at a different uh, they're at a different spot in their journey than a lot of the teachers are. Agreed. And there are a lot of people out there that don't want. It's not that they don't want to teach that person. They just really don't understand how to speak to that audience. And they feel like if I show with a flashy Lamborghini that I rented and say it's mine, then I'll be seen as some side of, as some type of hero or some side of like expert. When reality, when you, when we both know most real business owners actually live very, very below their means. Like you really can't tell. Yeah. They live in a nice place, but ask them how much they pay or when they bought it or if they have a mortgage nine out of ten times like yep no i bought this or i rented it or it's this that or the other they don't really spend their money foolishly and and the funniest part of all is uh you know i never did buy a ferrari or a lambo uh i had one i actually won one from uh uh sean it was me and sean yeah we won it from eben i believe uh but I wouldn't actually buy one, like like because I know that a Ferrari loses about forty percent of its value once you put twenty five thousand miles on it. It's like one of the worst investments on earth. Yeah, a Ferrari, especially so, if you buy yeah. it new. If you buy it new, you basically by the time it hits twenty five thousand miles, it's eighty percent of what it was worth. Yeah, twenty eighty percent has been uh, evaporated. Yeah. yeah, it's a terrible, terrible investment. And yeah, these 20 year olds, you know, with their rental, it's, it's just kind of funny. And it's funny. It's funny when we get to laugh at them among friends, but because they read a course and they don't really know what they're doing and they're putting themselves out as experts, they're getting clients and they're in a position to not serve that client. Now that's when the laughing stops. Yeah. 
and then we have to kind of come in to pick up the broken pieces which i gotta tell you I, as much as i love helping people that is like one of the worst feelings you have is when you actually hear someone's story on why they are where they're at it's like oh how's your business going oh it's not going great why what happened um i worked with some expert and bam right you know, I, I i didn't get what i needed i didn't get the thing that i wanted I didn't receive this, that, the other, and they took my money. They didn't even offer to give me any money back. Yeah, and and you know it it happens. The uh, it it there there's so many crazy twists and turns. Like uh, one of the one of the really odd ones is you know people that follow me and they you know they follow on my Facebook. There's two weird things that almost that almost can't even live in the same universe together, right? Like I've made. About uh, 100, I haven't counted lately, but roughly 175 million over the years. And, uh, you know, I can write and I can create offers. And, you know, sometimes there's uh, depressive cycles where I just don't work for a year or two. So, you know, money's money's pretty tight in my personal life right now. But I I was in a conversation two days ago with, uh, you know, a multi-million dollar earner. And we were talking about his new business. And the chat we were having was the same caliber of chat as if we were both making millions at the time. You get it? Like, you know, it's a mindset. You wanna, yeah, it really is. And and when people are choosing experts, it's 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 even it's complicated on the Lambo side. You know, idiots showing Lambos, and it, it also gets complicated on the other side. You know, guys that know what they're talking about and they know how to serve clients, they just don't know how to serve themselves very well. It's that so, age old, yeah. it's, it, it's a paradox that I see that basically I've suffered through and, you know, I think this is the reason why you and I get on quite well as among other things. It's that whole aspect of real recognizes real, but also people are going through what we've been through, recognize it within one another. Like, you know, when you go through a depressive cycle, when you really don't know how you're going to make it happen or when, when your back's against the wall and you're wondering, holy shit, am I actually going to make it out the other side? I think the old saying I used to have for this was like, you know, the old saying, uh, flying by the seat of their pants. Right. Yeah. I have a whole different one. It's flying by the seat of your ass. Cause literally <laughs> your ass is constantly on the line for the shit. Uh, I could, we could go into a hell of a tangent. Uh, I'm actually we a, can a pilot. I oh, mean, seriously? I happen to be a pilot and I fly yeah. stick and rudder, uh, tail draggers, which is where that saying came from. Like, you know, how, you know how to fly the plane because of, you know how the plane is bouncing around. Yep. So yeah, uh, we I have some war stories, but this is a marketing podcast. <laughs> we can go down those war stories if you want, man. There's always well, what, lessons in them. My 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 favorite one was flying in an ultralight where I lost the elevator control. The the elevator oh, is shit. when you push on the stick or pull back on the stick, and it was a very very small airplane. So I, I landed safely by leaning drastically forward and back in my seat Damn. so yeah flying can, can by you the seat of your ass i think i've done it once <laughs> that's awesome oh i hope you can hear me now my mic like skype has this thing where occasionally it'll just mute me and i'm like god damn it no i can hear you just fine cool 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 but yeah that i did not know that about you that you were a pilot and that's actually quite cool to know because um i'm actually going for my pilot's license in two years Oh, I pl- planned it out. It's like when I, for my thirty-second birthday, I want to like give myself pi- flying lessons. I'll tell you something right now. 
and anybody who's listening, I can save you tens of thousands of dollars. You ready? Go for it. Buy yourself, depending on what license you want, assuming it's a nat, uh, a normal uh, private pilot's license, fixed gear, Yep. you know, simple airplanes, mm-hmm. buy yourself a Cessna uh, 152 or a 172, purchase it. 152 is about 20 grand. Um, and the thing is, they hold their value. So if you buy it for 20,000, pay the instructor just for their time, which is way different than renting the airplane. Right. You can get your license, get your hours, and then sell the airplane. So you can save like 60% at least on the cost of getting your license. Damn. So basically (laughs) what you're saying is get a plane, essentially use it to actually learn how to fly in, then resell the plane because it holds value to itself. And that basically just covers me, like covers most of my expenses. That's that's Yes, and and because you're a salesperson, there's a chance you'll make money on the deal. Most likely. Hey, do you want me to actually go ahead and get you more students to uh, come in to fly with you? Why, just do my do my lessons for free and I'll bring in three students. Great. Well, that or the, the ad that you write to sell the airplane is probably going to be better than the ad that you bought the airplane from. Most likely, which is always going to be fun. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about this because I have this, uh, I have this as an issue for myself. And I know other copywriters do as well. I'm just curious if you do as well with this. Do you have do you ever get like a hard time talking or writing about your own work and yourself like writing your own copy? Do you have an issue with that or no? Well, you know, I I used to. But uh I, there was a time go oh, going back 6 or 7 years where uh I had I had sold my share uh of the the big click the I mean, we kind of met each other during the ClickBank days. Yeah. And we were kind of running the American side of ClickBank, Sean and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sold my shares and decided to buy a big RV and go retire. Long story short, you know, what I thought was going to last forever ran out in about two years and I was broke. So I had a choice. I could, you know, go out to my Facebook following who knew me as the rich guru on the hill and ask for help. You know, the rich guru on the hill now needs 200 bucks to get to the next, uh, you know, town. You get it? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, inauthent- that inauthenticity hurt so bad. It would, for me, it was like jump off a bridge caliber of bad. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, kind of a, a trial by fire. I just, you know, started talking about myself. And, and anybody who knows me knows that if I'm feeling something good or bad, I will write about it. So I'm kind of past that, you know. I've uh, I've graduated from that. I'll, I'll write I'll write about myself. I don't have a lot of uh, you, you know fear because I have wrote I have written the bad parts. You know, people that follow me know that they know what's going on in my life, good or bad. So you know, I don't fear it. And and I've I've retained and kept some really good friends. Like people won't run out. Some will, you know. A lot of people will run out on you when you reveal that you're not perfect. Yep. But you'll also attract some even better ones. Yeah, like you and me. <laughs> there you have it. And that's pretty much a friendship right there. And it's something I will say that I have actually realized, and uh, Andy Hassong reminded me of this. Great guy, by the way. You literally reminded me of this by saying, um, cut the bad people out of your life and start watching the magic happen. It's so true. The moment I started getting rid of people in my life, personally, I, I turned it around. Instead of talking about just me and 
you know, I've been a little bit more open about my stuff. I haven't fully gone like to the full ex- to the full growth of it. Um, I realized people left. People I actually trusted. People that I considered family at one point up and left just overnight up and left over the dumbest reasons. Oh God. I, oh, I can, if I were to name names, like, um, we- think about it. If you're making, you know, back when I when during the Sean days, we were probably making five, five to 7 million a year yep. and it was affiliate based. So, you know, good and well, every affiliate on earth had my phone number. Back and in those days they, as well. And, and they weren't afraid to use it because, you know, everybody wanted a favor. When I, you know, when I sold my shares to, to Sean, I sold the list also. So I didn't have a list to, to run, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Those phone calls, and we're talking big names. Like, if you can name a big shot in the industry. Oh, I remember. Like, back 80, in those days? 80, 90% of them. The phone calls stopped. They just stopped. Yeah, so you, you do lose a lot of friends, but that's almost a that's almost a good thing because if somebody won't, you know, stick by you during different seasons, God forbid I had worked closely with any of those people who who weren't uh, true friends. It's almost like a litmus test for you know whether somebody's, you know, all the way good. Yeah, like if they uh, really got your back, or if they don't. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's a. Uh, it, it, I won't call it a good thing because uh, I'm not it that strong. Like, but. It hurts like a motherfucker. Like, that's yeah. the truth of it. Or, like, when I had uh, two friends of mine in the space of three months, two friends I was very close with, um, up and leave. One of them, I, I, I was at their event, and I didn't know this until, like, they waited until my, the day after my birthday to basically message me and block me as a friend. I was like, they messaged. They messaged you first. That's, they, that's oh no. Uh, they messaged me first with the words, "We need to talk. How dare you?" And then messaged me three hours later, going, "Actually, let's not talk. I'm done with you." And I was like, "Wow." the The craziest part of it all was like, what really hurt me was they went on. Fa- they wouldn't actually tell me what was going on, and. Um, they decide to go on Facebook and actually kind of put themselves as they were in the good going. I stood in my power and I stood to tyranny. And I'm like, you basically just turned around to a guy and said, I'm not your friend anymore. And here's like, I'm not going to tell you why. And more importantly, you're a bad person. Mm. I, I found out like six months later what went on. Essentially, the reason was because I was teaching what they uh, basically uh, what I was teaching was way more in depth than what they were teaching. So for the issue for them was no one can be as good as me. But I was like, I'm actually better than you at this because I've done it longer than you. And it's kind of my job to do this. Um, It it was to do on like uh, personality profiling for um, avatar creation. And I was like, well, you can look avatars, but then you have to look at psychographics. No one else is really going into the psychographic data that you really need to look at because demographic data is one thing. Psychographic data is a completely different ball ball game. And once once you've been a copywriter for like three years and doing it like nonstop every day, really like, honing in on your craft you stop looking at demographics and go i can sell my shit to anyone i just need to have the right psychographic data i know what to pull from Mm -hmm. you know that's really what you care about more just completely utterly destroyed me when i actually when it initially happened now after finding out the rest of the side of the story i started laughing my ass off and i've been watching them and what's the craziest thing is i will say this right now guys i don't mean this is like any harmful way 
if you have people that you don't get along with that you want to set a boundary with, do it in a way that doesn't burn the bridge. Like I've done it with my friends where I'm like, hey, listen, I just need some time away from you because I've got some shit that I need to deal with. And they're like, cool, no worries. We might get back in touch. We might not. We might fall out and not really speak ever again. Or we might message each other once in a while, just see how we're doing. It's all good and well. The reason I say that was this person went on and said some shit about me. Uh, here's the craziest thing. Six months later, their business is crumbling. Um, they're being found out for actually scamming two or three of their customers. And worst of all, it, well, sorry, not scamming. That should be, they're, they're teaching their customers the same thing over and over again under new package details, repurposing, but without repurposing it properly. Right. And actually lying about their figures of how much they've, they've been found out by some of their students that the figures they claim to have made aren't real. So I'm like, at that point, you're basically burning, you're burning yourself quite badly. And this yeah. one just basically stemmed from like one simple issue. And I'm like, huh, interesting. You burn one person, everyone looks at you and you go, oh shit, that's what's really going on. Now, kind of sidetrack the entire story for a second. What I wanted to ask you more than anything else was, besides, if you were to look at someone else that is struggling to find their voice as a writer, because again, we've seen so many other copywriters that have a hard time doing so. Um, what would be your perspective and advice to them to actually start finding that voice to be comfortable selling stuff for themselves? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that and I'm going to preface the answer by saying this, it's going to sound flippant, but it's, I'm, I'm putting 22 years of, of, you know, expertness into this answer, right? And it's super duper important and it's the true answer, right? right. I have to say all that because here, I'm going to say it right there. I've said it right. <laughs> you get it. The, yeah. the, my answer to that question is write stuff, write lots of stuff. Like when you're sitting there worrying about finding your voice, there's usually something that's also happening and that's, you're not writing. Right. So the, like I, I have a, a weird, almost a religion, uh, you know, going back to Pressfield, if somebody really twists my arm and makes me, de you know, declare what my religion is, often I'll say Musian, right? The muse. Mm -hmm. uh, when when I'm on track and things are, and I'm, you know, on my life's mission, there's this, you know, little electric buzz that goes down my spine. I can feel it physically, right? Like when when I'm doing what I'm what I was put here for. I know, and I have to. I have to guess that everybody knows. They they know that feeling, that truth feeling. Um, but to get there, you know, there's a lot of writers. I mean, copywriting is probably the the most valuable skill on the entire web because, we'll I, I mean, I'm working with a, I'm working with a super duper big name, really big name right now, and their their bottleneck is uh, copywriters. And uh, it's, copywriting is a great job. A lot of people look at it and they say, well, I want to do copy because that's where the money is. You're screwed. If, that's, if that conversation has happened in your head, you're probably already screwed, right? Yeah. You have to write copy because it's in, your, it's in your gut. It's in your heart, you know, knowing people. You know, it's funny. I was in Thailand recently uh, and we were on one of the main uh, – you know, girly roads, right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I, I had some friends that I was meeting up with. And, you know, rather than go into the bars, I just sat there and I watched the people going down the street. Right. That's that's entertainment for me. You know, trying to see what, what you know, why is this middle-aged white couple here? What on the And remember, we're on the girly street, right? right? You know, what are they doing? Which way are his eyes moving? Her, which way are her – you get it? Like learning people and knowing what, what makes people tick is uh, – it's not a job. It's it's like a uh, – you know, what may, it's what makes me tick. Yeah, it's so, one of those yeah. – it's one – the nice way of putting it, it's <sighs> – if it's not done, it feels like a part of you is dead. Right. Right. It's basically that that's the part that gives you life. And I agree with you. If you get into copywriting for the money, you're in the wrong job. Um, not because there isn't money in this, in this line of work. There's millions to be had by all means, billions, even in some cases, if you look at people like Jay Abraham and Ted Nicholas and all the other guys that have like made a crap ton of money over the life. I'm pretty sure Gary Halbert at one point, like taught that list for the amount of money that he made. And, so, and speaking of Gary, I was speaking to Roland Frazier, and uh, guys, if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to Roland's um, podcast with me. One of the things he said that Gary Halbert used to say was, um, the reason I'm, uh, he can be quite, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the, the reason he could be quite mean about whenever he's working and doing stuff is because as a copywriter, you have to go to the most depraved, degraded, unearth this like the, the very 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 core of the human emotion and you have to lift up what no one wants to lift up just that putrid smell of like going into that emotion you have to go through all of that to find the real emotions to get right down to the core of everything and mm -hmm. sit there while you write and i think you said it as well which was the only reason a great copywriter can write on all the ranges they write on is because they've actually experienced those damn ranges you will never yeah. find a copywriter talking about depre about depression that has never had depression. You will never find a copywriter that hasn't actually experienced. Like, for instance, uh, when I was in the dating market, I yes, I went on dates. Yes, I had amazing times with my oh, with you know whatever it was. But the day that I stopped doing the thing for the dating market was the day that I stopped living that life. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. We, we you know, it makes me it makes me laugh a deal because uh, you know, like I said, depression has been oddly enough. You know, two things that are weird, and you know, maybe this is disjointed, but uh, you know, I've earned my spot in the in the copy world, and I'm one of the best at at selling. Without with, a doubt, you know, I'm one of the worst when it comes to selling in real life. It's just weird, uh, but no, no, uh, I get that. Yeah, but the 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 I call it turning the knife. That's my. Uh, shorthand for you know when writing and by the way if, for the listeners you should learn how to do this because a clear sign of somebody that's a beginner at copy is starting out with the good parts the moving towards oh this product is gonna you know save you 15 minutes uh you know doing this where the right way to write it is think of all those 15 minutes that you're going to spend if you uh you know don't get this product what could you have been doing you know you want to you want to push the negative first um well i was going somewhere deal but i, I forgot what, oh with my you know uh depression and some of the struggles that i have i i count them now as uh assets the struggles because you know sometimes i get to relearn firsthand how struggles feel for for the people that i write towards yeah you really do. You really get to understand where they're coming from. 
Um, it's powerful. Some, do you mind if I quickly jump on your point previously? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, now, while you write in that way of turning the knife, I actually have it, like, my way of writing is a little bit different. It's more story-based, so both are story-based, but, like, I mean, mine's not in that same jo- in that same way. Right. But what I will say is, can I do that? Hell yes, I can. That's where mastery comes in, is the fact that you can, it's the way I equate this to, to use a Brazilian jiu-jitsu metaphor, for instance, is by the time you reach a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know more ways to choke someone out and tap someone out than they do, because you've understood more positions, you understand how the body works, and you've been in those positions. Here's where it's different, is you could actually rely on only four submissions that is all you do but you've honed those forms of submissions right but doesn't mean you're not aware of the other stuff it's very very similar like how you've gone on like twisting the knife your style of copy effective as all hell in my opinion absolutely brilliant my style of copy simultaneously effective as all hell we have that same thing in common difference in how we write massively difference different but are we both aware when we look at each other's copy what the other one's doing of course we are if you read my copy, and I'm sure you've seen some of it online, it's, huh, I see. Adel's kind of going off a story base here, taking the customer on a journey with them along the lines of, like, how they overcame their thing, but not really highlighting on twisting the knife all that much because he's going with a whole different route. And then I, and then you'll send me a message going, hey, because I can imagine we've done this before. Hey, have you tried looking at this? I'm like, cool, I'll add that in, turn it around, conversions go through the roof. I look at your work, I say, hey, have you looked at this? You add that in, our conversions actually convert a little bit better on either way. The reason we can accept that with each other, and this is a key thing going back to what you said earlier about mastery, you got to know every area of what you're comfortable in and what you're doing and still be able, and you choose the path that you want to go through. Like, would you say that's an agreeable thing that we both look at is even though our styles are different, we can see where the other one can actually still like what we see, uh, we still understand the other person's perspective perfectly. Oh yeah, and it boils. It even boils. You know, one level, one level. You know, deeper than that is, um, you know, when people have some wins and you know they feel confident, which they should. Uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of, or, or you know, my 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 self esteem is is uh, an issue for me to work on. It's always been a problem. And that really helps because, you know, r- true mastery, there's no, I, I've been, I know this. I, I know everything there is. And you will never catch me saying I know everything there is to know about anything, right? And, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, you can feel, you know, powerful in your, in your discipline, in your profession, and also understand that there's input coming from everywhere. Like, you know, the ability or the desire to, you know, not be egotistic, which neither of us really are, but, you know, to be open to, you know, trying out new things. I think that's, that's, you know, something that's, uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing if you can do it, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, I agree with you. Like a hundred percent agree with you right there. See, now we're getting to that point, um, in the show, where I want to ask you something. I just want to ask your opinion on this because there is one question I haven't brought up that I really wanted to ask. And so you don't have to spend too much on it. And that is, so what was it like meeting Tony Robbins? Oh, God. All right. That was there's a while a, ago, but like, I'm curious. Here. There's a story to that. Um, so I was in Platinum for a couple of years. That's his, uh, 
I think it's like sixty thousand to Tony, and then you pay for the trips. Uh, my business budget was one fifty a year for it, uh, so it's pretty expensive. And people people bought that program. Let's be honest; everybody bought it so they could kiss the ring, yeah. right, and hang out with Tony. So to, to answer your question, he's one of the few uh, really big shots in this industry who is what you see is what you get. That's the good news. Like you see him online, you know, you see him in the movie. That's Tony. That is Tony. Like I've I've hung out with a lot of other, you know, New York Times bestsellers, uh, you know, rock stars. You get it. Their 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 stage persona is a little different than their, you know, actual persona. Tony's straight up. Uh, the thing that I really learned from Platinum, though, that was a good life lesson was. Uh, I'm not the type of guy who's, uh, I don't get uh, starstruck. So the time I spent with Tony was business stuff. You know, we talked about his, uh, you know, appearing in theaters, uh, you know, remotely. And I actually gave him an idea that I saw him use, right? And and he told me a story about uh, uh, the guy with the Walkman that, that was very influential to him, the, the guy at Sony. You know, you have to know what people want before they do. That was a great piece of advice that he gave me. We were walking through the woods by his house in Vancouver. So the 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 short the short version is what you see on TV is that the the, the good news is that's that's Tony. <coughs> I got uh reprimanded by uh you know Sage's parents because Sage is she changed her name. So they corrected me with her, you know, born name, you know, family stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Tony's Tony's great. And uh, I can't be on a, an interview without calling out Jan Avant, who uh, ran the Platinum Partnership back then. We, we've been best friends pretty much ever since she she ran the program. That's awesome. Dude, thank you so much for actually being open about that, because I know like I've asked um I've wanted to ask other people like that kind of stuff. And every time, like, uh, like before the show, I was, is there anything you want to avoid? They're like, yeah, that's, eh, I don't really want to talk about like a couple of other things. Can we keep it on this subject? I mean, that's fair. But I'm glad that you've been open. Um, just like many of my other guests have the ones that I published at least, uh, which have always been fun, but wrapping up this show, I really want to ask you, um, well, two things. One of them is what would be, Actually, there's a caveat to it. So what are five books that you'd recommend everyone read, but the caveat is three of them are nonfiction and two of them can either be fictional books or movies that you recommend people watch or check out? All right. So the, the fictional ones, Game of Thrones, the entire series. Have you actually seen the, the latest episode that came out while we filmed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I won't spoil it. No the, the last the last 15 minutes uh, made me shriek entirely and I'm sure you know the event but um, um. Game of Thrones the entire series because uh, um, again you know a lot of my my particular skill set is the negative side mm -hmm. and every possible negative way to deal with people is illustrated in Game of Thrones uh, one of my favorite fictional books uh, I really liked Ready Player One Oh, brilliant. Did you watch Read the movie? Read the book, loved the movie. Yeah. Loved the movie as well. So nonfiction, uh, top of the list. Like I have to, I have to like qualify this. I, 
I, I, and by the way, I, I happen to have 182 IQ, and it bothers me that we live in a society where what I have to do next is apologize for saying so. Ugh, really? Right? I, you, you know, it's like it sounds like a brag. No, it but it, it's it's as often. My daughter's also a genius. There are enough care. There are enough character flaws that come with genius that it makes me worry about my kid. Yeah. Right. So it's not all you know. It's not all roses and sunshine. But uh, I'm super super ADD. Uh, so I've never, and you know, I happen to be a pretty smart. So I, I've never read a book ever more than once, besides one, and I've read it seven times. That's War of Art. Brilliant. Uh, Pressfield War of Art, best book ever. Um, second best, oh, I don't know. I've read a lot. Uh, probably uh, the Marcus Buckingham one. Get your why? I forget the name. Yeah, I the, don't know what you're on about. Yeah, get know your why. Um, what was it, Marcus Buckingham? I'll just look it up. Yeah, um, start with why. I think it is. No, that's Simon Sinek. But you start with why. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, his is now discover your strengths. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's not <laughs> one he's most known for. You know, I've read hundreds and hundreds since I've been. In the, uh, see, I'm weird. I tell myself stories. Like I'm, I'm too, I'm too ADD to read words. Forget it. I, I, I don't think I've, I think I've read like one or two books ever, in words. Um, but I've listened to you know hundreds and hundreds of audiobooks. None come to mind, but I haven't listened to any audiobooks in a few years because I only do it while I'm driving, <laughs> and I don't drive here in the Philippines. So I, I, I have to say I can't think of, uh, can't think of a, a, you know, a fifth example. Fair enough. Ah, founder, founder, founder would be a fiction slash nonfiction that uh, saw the movie and liked it. Oh, the one with uh, Michael Keaton, the founder of yes. uh, oh, Ray Kroc. That was a brilliant movie. Yeah, it had a nice big dream in it, a nice big happy ending, and you know some uh, dark maneuvering. Most definitely, definitely was a fan of that movie. But uh, yeah, Tom, I just want to say real quickly, thank you so much for being open and sharing so much of your information and knowledge with us today. Um, My pleasure. And, and by the way, just to, to give people a, a little uh, uh, teaser, um, because you said something earlier in this interview about psychographics, remind me, let's talk because that's, that's kind of my passion too. Maybe maybe we do the Facebook Live and kind of lean on that because I have some questions. Maybe I can answer some. That might be fun to talk about, the psychographic side of it. For sure. I mean, we can always queue up a round two with me and you on the show. I'd be more than happy to have you back on. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm very passionate about the different ways to uh, uh, divide the, the psychology. For example, do we, do I have like one more minute, or are we keep oh, it yeah, right course. on time? Yeah, dude, go for it. So, so I'm always. I, I mean, my my passion is uh, adaptive, adaptive funnels, mm -hmm. where I'll do surveys. I'll do a survey, and then I'll change the sales copy based on the user's uh, input, and I'll do some psychographic questions in the survey. For example, would you rather live a life where nobody ever goes hungry? Uh, you know, even if you don't make it to the top of what you're doing, or do you want to, you know, come screeching into the end with your hair on fire, having a fricking blast. 
right? And the answer to that question will tell you whether they move towards pleasure or away from pain. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Right. But towards pleasure, away from pain. Uh, I like Maslow slash Tony Robbins, Six Human Needs. I like conflict resolution style. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it might be deep and technical, but, uh, you know, the ways that people can be divided uh, with regard to psychographics and then, you know, how best to, to treat the different uh, psychologies. I mean, that might be. You know, that might be a phone call for us. I, I don't know how many other people are interested in that stuff, but learning the avatar dead on is where the money is. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But, um, dude, thank you so much for doing the show today. I really appreciate you coming on. And, guys, if you do want to just, like, pick up some cool last tips, figure out this copywriting gig, and basically just, like, learn from one of the best people. Like, understand... The level of complexity of what basically Tom and I, like combined between us, we are a 40-year-old copywriter in our experience. If you want to basically figure that out just on Tom's 22 years alone, um, follow him. Find him on Facebook. Send him a friend request. Check him out. Just hit follow. Read his posts. Reach out to him on inspectorprofit.gmail.com. Trust me. It will be literally worth your time and energy getting to know this man, and it will make you a lot of money over the time if you work with him. It granted if he accepts you as a client. I mean, he's very picky about that kind of thing. But hey, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let this be the maybe the last thing is uh, my favorite thing. A deal is uh, you know if you read my Facebook, you'll know that I pick on clients. Maybe that makes me like Gary Halbert a little bit. Um, he did, but uh, I love tweaking existing products because uh, you know. All, all ego aside, I'm pretty good at it. So I, I love going into existing offers, uh, writing some tweaks, and then taking the conversion up 20 or 30%. That's my favorite kind of work. Yep. Best way to do it. Well, guys, um, definitely listen to this show again. Uh, subscribe, share, review. I appreciate all of that. Reach out to me if you want to. And as always, I've been Adil Marcy from AdilaMarcy.com and AdilaMarcy Unplugged. Uh, Tom, it's been a pleasure as always, my friend. And guys, I will see you on next week's interview. All right. Have a good one.